It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Sportsnet Michigan and C92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And the millennial man is Jared Patel of Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids, Michigan and Fat Stack Sports. Comments and questions can be sent by email to 3 Pod at gmail.com or hit them up on social media at 3 Pod. The fellows will get it rolling right after this from our partners. Great news to report. Sheridan Realty and Auction Company has built a new 7,500-square-foot warehouse in Owasso. Now we are able to take all of your items and put it underneath one roof. Whether you are able to bring us a vehicle, an ATV, furniture, it goes inside. Go to SheridanAuctionService.com to see more. More importantly, stop down and see us at 1007 South Washington Street. You'll do better with Sheridan. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our community. They're not tied into an out-of-state corporation or their board of directors. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. The top priority is caring for our friends and neighbors, being right there when you need them most. With unique service to represent unique lives in mid-Michigan, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. The business started in 1880 and continues the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, see them on the web at nelsonhouse.com or call them at 989-723-5234. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your larger, small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Welcome to Three Point Podcast, episode number 150. Our special partners include Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, Hankard Sportswear, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, and Z92.5 The Castle, and brand new on board, we want to welcome Success Group Mortgage and Servicing. You know, we're all three Corona Cavaliers and uh, Jim Woodworth, a major partner in Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, so uh, we welcome them on board, joining the Three Point Podcast team, boys. Yeah, I'm, I'm thankful and obviously uh, welcome to the team, to, to his his team, I guess. But Jim Woodworth, something I always think about with him is he was one of the first guys at Corona that I saw dunk a basketball. <laughs> I remember when he played basketball, I think he played at the end of Frank Davis's era. I'm pretty sure Frank Davis was still there when Jim Woodworth was playing. But I remember seeing him as a kid dunk a basketball and just being blown away. So. Welcome to the team, Jim. <laughs> yeah, I believe his uh, senior year was my dad, John Fattel's first year coaching. That is something that he might be one of the first Corona Cavaliers to dunk a basketball because we know from, like, Ted's generation and pre-1990s, you know, oh, no, no, no. they played a little bit more below the rim. Jeff Raleigh, he, he dunked a <laughs> few times, let me tell you. He was the first one I remember going up and slamming it. And Phil Zielinski had many dunks, too, so don't get carried away. You're the young guy, so you don't remember these hey. guys. That's Jared. I'm Ted Fattel, the old guy, and Matt on the phone here. He's our middle guy. 
guy, but yeah, like I said, we're all chronic Cavaliers. I was going to say, I would be surprised. I, we, I feel like that hadn't come up that Phil Zielinski had to dunk the ball fairly often, right? I mean, he was oh many times incredible player. Yeah, he could get up, and you know, he was six four, but man, he could jump. Mike Weber, another one on that same team, dunked. So yeah, let's not get too crazy here. <laughs> all right, well, we're starting off the podcast. Welcome, uh, welcoming Woody to the fold and by the way one final thing on that you know we're talking about his dunking ability well he was famous or infamous for uh, a, a dunk attempt in college i don't know if you've seen the video it's on youtube uh, where he went up and just got completely undercut and hit his head on the ground i mean it was one of the scariest looking things i've ever seen i don't know if that was college i thought uh, that was high school for my i maybe believe I, so. I think it was college but i could be wrong yeah it was it was college oh and- okay and uh, yeah, the video he he shares it on on Facebook. It seems like on the the anniversary. So I've watched it now a ton of times. But yeah, it was college, and yeah, it was one of those. It was gruesome to watch, and uh, obviously he made it out okay. But but yeah, one of those videos that you you would have think would be on like Sports Center or on the local yeah. news and and all that stuff because of how it looked. So glad he made it out though. Made yeah. it out okay. Absolutely. Well, we got a fun podcast in store for for, for all you listeners out there. We got Brendan Sullivan. Uh, grew up in Corona, uh, played his high school football at Davison. Not even sure if it's done yet. We're going to check in with him, but he's uh, going to be on his way to Northwestern to play for the Wildcats that put a good effort in against Ohio State. We're checking in with him. We're also going to touch bases with Ryan Brady, the head football coach at Saginaw Valley. And you know, speaking of football, the Michigan High School Athletic Association, they have finally decided that uh, they're going to continue on the ending of the fall sports schedule. That means Jared and I will be back in business starting on January 2nd. Uh, that's a Saturday. We'll be outdoors, or hopefully we'll be in the press box, but the game will be outdoors. New Lothrop against Detroit Loyola. Are you excited? Are you indifferent? What are you thinking about that? I'm not excited. At, I'm not going to lie. I'm not excited at all. This The MHSAA has fumbled this left and right. Now it's basically, now the big problem is, well, the college the, or the high school basketball season is like five weeks. Five weeks from start to finish. Five weeks. Yeah, they're going to end it at, in March. Yeah, which is it, surprising to me. It, it's it's hilarious that this is even still going on. I don't know. I mean, we, we'll, we're going to talk to Brendan in a second. We still don't necessarily have the answer on whether players like him who have committed early to college are going to come back and play, if that's even possible. Right. But if it's not, I mean, what an asterisk it's going to be if arguably probably Mr. Football this season isn't even going to be in the final few weeks of the high school football season. Yeah, and you know, I've been I've been associated with the MHSAA for a long time in my broadcasting duties, but I, I tend to agree with you. I think they've botched this from the very get-go when they first came out and said they were moving football season to the spring. Then they didn't give themselves enough leeway that they could have completed this season. In fact, I thought they I thought they blew it at the very beginning all the way back to last March. Remember when we had the whole COVID start? Yeah. And high school basketball, that's what I broadcast, but there was other winter sports going on. But high school basketball was one night away from district championship action. Tell me why they just couldn't have said, okay, we're going to play the district championships, no fans in the stands, but we're going to finish it out so teams can at least complete their season and maybe come away with a district championship. I think they blew it right at that point, and it's just been a a cluster since. Yeah, I mean, obviously back then, I don't want to use, like, the word scary, but, I mean, maybe, yeah, the the unknowns of what was going on with COVID was – it's just crazy to even think about that, like where where we were in March with all, like, what is going on? What is this virus? So maybe – Maybe that they, they could have finished districts, you would think. But same with I know One you night. mentioned before with football playoffs. 
they probably could have just like finished them up quick, you know, maybe right. no fans or, you know, do some of that stuff, but just almost tried to get the playoffs, not like over with, I'm not trying to say that, like get them over with, but they could have finished the playoffs. Cause I think like what you guys are both saying, you're now like not doing justice to both of the fall sports and the winter sports, because yeah, if some players aren't going to be able to play football because of whatever else is going on. Well, now some teams aren't going to be as good as they were. And then, like, for the, the winter sports, I don't well, like, what the practice schedule is like or if, if guys are trying or, or guys or girls are trying to finish their fall sports and then getting into the winter sports or basketball is only going to be four or five weeks. It's kind of just, like, it's, it's messing up everything. So it seems like it would have been better just to almost, like, punt on the fall sports and let's just, at the, at the new year, let's get the winter sports. And what's, and what's hilarious, it seemed like a lot of the football, the people who I, I've seen that are super-duper happy about this are, like, the – the media members like I know my for, my current slash former boss like Jason Hutton they're loving it because they've been covering like you know uh Trump versus Biden because <laughs> like there's no sports to be had right those people are ecstatic about this decision yeah other than that I don't know if anyone's super happy about it you got guys like Brennan Sullivan who were basically had already waved the season goodbye they were heading off to you know greener pastures and then you have guys like I'm Clint Galvis. Remember when we yeah. talked to him? He was perfectly fine with just saying, like, yeah, the season's pretty much over. Right. That's what we expect. And now all of a sudden they're slapping together their, like, their offense and stuff now. Like, after a month off, no way these players are all have been. Like, I know what people are thinking is probably, like, the good ones. Yeah, they've, they've still been practicing and, like, you know, staying up yeah. to, and staying in shape staying and all that shape, stuff. Right. But it's just not the same. It, it's not the same. And it's not fair to, like Matt said, winter sports and even the spring sports. Who knows what's going to happen? It would have been. I would have been just perfectly fine with it if they just would have punted it and uh, start the basketball and season in January. Now and at go be- with it. Yeah, now at best, basketball season gets five weeks, which right. is the football season had like 10 weeks. Exactly. So it's just kind of like not even fair in that sense. It's a mess. Well, we, before we get to Brendan, I uh, just had a quick thought, pass this on. Kyle Robinson, the head football coach at Corona, uh, has put in his retirement or his resignation, if you will, and uh, kind of as a head-scratcher to me. He's done a pretty good job with that program, I think, and uh, has a couple good classes coming up through the ranks. But apparently, if you go by what you read in the the newspaper, uh, just wants to move on, get away from some of that stress and pressure, and I guess we'll we'll leave it at that, at his word. But to me, it seems like there's more going on behind the scenes. Yeah, it's my I'm own not, personal opinion. Yeah, I honestly don't know uh, for sure what's going on there. I will say this, you know, good luck with him with resignation and all that stuff that's going to – because football, he – just from watching him, it did seem like fo- he was there, you know, 3 a.m., 4 a.m. in the locker room, you know, doing football stuff. Like, he's a guy that genuinely lived, breathed, uh, slept football. And I'll say this, I mean, he's – I feel like he is a college-level, you know, weight training coach. The way that the locker – or the weight room operated when we were there – he raised so much money for that lot for that weight room. I remember we did like a liftathon, like ten grand, fifteen grand or so, wow. putting in basically a whole brand new weight room. Which if you went to Corona and you saw what that weight room looked like six, seven years ago, it was a joke. There was maybe three squat racks and like a couple of bench press bars. Now it's like there's power racks all over the entire thing. It's awesome, and the whole weight room operated on a timer. He was also a great motivator. I felt like when I was there, I he I don't know if there's ever been somebody who's been able to kind of personally push my buttons in a way to kind of motivate me to be, you know, as good of a player as I could be. And I felt like he's the definition of a true, like, players coach where guys, you know, they just kind of love him. They would do anything for him. And that's the way I looked at it. I think, you know, he was a very good coach, especially for Corona. He, when he came in, he left the program better off than when he came in. Mm-hmm. He came in and after, you know, dang, like 
10, 12 losing seasons right in a row, had a couple big seasons right off the rip, and and overall, over six seasons, had a winning record. Six and which one for against Corona, Lasso. Which for Corona, yeah, and beat the rivals, right. which we, we, know Jim, we wish Jim Harbaugh would do. Exactly. <laughs> and I feel like at the end of the day, you know, he had a very solid resume and a good tenure as, as Corona's head football coach. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to ask. I mean, you, you just laid it all out there because you actually played for him. It seems like, yeah, I've interacted with him a little bit, and it seems like from what I've heard, from what you've said, or what what I've you know heard from players or in the media, I guess, he, he was a great coach, and the players loved playing for him. Uh, so, so hopefully he, he's moving on if he's wanting to move into college or if he's wanting to move on to a different high school or whatever. Hopefully he finds a, you know, a team that he, he can coach. But, you know, I, I think that's one thing is, he he did well at Corona, and Corona is a storied football program. We love Corona sports, and obviously Corona football especially. And he did well, so you know, thankful and, and glad that he was there for for the time that he was, and won some playoff games. A good thing. Yep. Well, like I said, we want to wish him the best, and and let's hope he is definitely leaving on his terms. We have no inside information. I want to put that on the table right now. Jared and I have kind of close uh, connections to Corona, but we we know nothing. We're just speculating. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, just to, to comment on your weight room, Ted, uh, you obviously remember, and it's sometimes it's a little bit of a, like, uh, uh, for me, I'm glad you guys, the people after I graduated high school, had that awesome weight room that got put in. That that weight room, the, the fitness center, I guess, there at Corona, was being built my senior year, or like it was it was built after I graduated. And I just remember thinking, like, if this thing could have been there, when I was in high school, how, what kind of a difference it would have made? Because we, we had a little like weight room. It was, it was basically like a little closet there off, off the side of the, the wrestling room. But, you know, to, to see what you guys had, that fitness room was, was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. And like I said, I mean, I truly do think that he is a next level strength and conditioning coach. Just, I, it just reminds me of, it reminds me of those guys you see, on like the Northwestern guy, you right. know, like with a shirt cut, like it just reminds me a lot. And we really did. It was impressive. I was always proud of how the weight room kind of operated. Like when I was in that program, you're kind of, you've been kind of kind to me too, uh, Jared. I thought you were going to say, uh, they didn't even have weights in your day. Did they, Ted? Uh, <laughs> they probably didn't. They, I, I'm I not going to lie. I, I do Farm mail or straw bales. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and that's probably what you guys were lifting. I do remember though. They did bring in the first, what do they call the universal machine? Is that what it's called? Uh, you know what I'm talking sure about? What you're talking about, you know, where you pull, you pull down the, the, the weights and they go up and down and oh, in the God. middle, you know, whatever that's called. Yeah. I don't know. That w- it was uh, state-of-the-art back then, for sure. All right, well, we're going to get uh, Brendan Sullivan, the new Northwestern Wildcat, coming on the air with us here next, but I want to tell you about Advanced Elevator. Advanced Elevator, they have the best-trained professional field technicians for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest, centrally located with headquarters in the heart of Owasso, an area business leader and a huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools. Also helping us out, Hankard Sportswear, the area's go-to clothing and more printing business. Many loyal customers, the Hankard Sportswear team prides themselves by giving a good product at a tremendous value. 100% guaranteed to satisfy your expectations. In downtown Owasso, give them a call, 989-725-2979, or follow them on Facebook at Hankard.Sportswear. All right, next on the podcast, very excited to talk with this young man. Brendan Sullivan, uh, the Davison quarterback who led them to a state championship a year ago, potentially a state championship this year, but we don't know about that. I know he's uh, committed to Northwestern University to play Big Ten football, 
And uh, let's catch up right there, Brendan. What is the latest status now that the MHSAA has said that they're going to resume the season starting January 2nd? Yeah, it's crazy. So my plan is I'm graduating early no matter what. Mm-hmm. But about that one game, if I can get that in, I'm not sure if that's, that's going to happen yet. So i got to talk to my family in, in Northwestern and see what's going on, see if I can play that one game or not. So what was it about Northwestern? I mean, I personally would have loved to see you, you know, play for Michigan or whatever. I personally would rather have you than J.J. McCarthy. I'll just put my hand up about that. But what was it about Northwestern that kind of drew you there? Uh, yeah, um, so obviously playing Big Ten football was something for me that was a goal since I was a kid. And then the education is second to none. I mean, you're, you're set for life after football after playing there. It's a great education. Mm-hmm. And the coaching staff is it, it, stable. The coach fish isn't leaving. And yep. It, it's, a, it's a fun place to be, and Evanston's a great town. So the question you probably don't get very often is, is what is it? What are you going to school for, or have you are you not sure yet? I know I'm only going to business, but I'm not sure uh, specifically what yet. I just know I want to go into business. Okay. I was going to ask you, Brendan. Uh, obviously, it was it was in the news a lot, and everyone's well aware of those football facilities at Northwestern and the money that they put into those facilities at Northwestern, overlooking Lake Michigan. I mean, it's just like. It's so cool to see those football facilities. For, for you personally, obviously every recruit has different things that they're looking into, proximity to home or education or other things. How big was it to go on your recruiting trips and check out facilities? And did that, like, the, the facilities at Northwestern, did that come into play? I'm going to be honest. Uh, they offered a quarantine, so I still have yet to be on campus. Wow. Crazy. Oh. Yeah, I committed a flight unseen and – my first time being on campus will be uh, January 4th when I move in. So it's, it's kind of crazy. But, I mean, I, I did a virtual tour, and, it, I mean, it's beautiful. Pictures don't do it justice, I'm sure. But it's it's beautiful, and I'm excited to see it for the first time. Well, I'll tell you what. I noticed when they Northwestern made the announcement of their uh, – signees it was pretty first class the way they did it on social media mm-hmm. it, it was impressive now i have a i have a simple question for you uh you know you committed to northwestern to play big 10 football i know indiana was also reaching out to you was there any conversation with the old man at all he, i mean he was a starter for the university of michigan was was that a, a topic at all i mean he, he really didn't really um care where i went as long as i'm in love with where i'm going and i'm good with where i'm going he was back at me no matter what. He obviously um, gave us advice in there. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he, he didn't really care where I went as long as I loved it. So, to go back to the start of the high school football season this year, uh, I, you guys were coming back as pretty much, you know, the number one team in the state, uh, any division. What was it like? You guys probably would have had the crowd totally packed every single week. What was it like going from, you know, your junior year where the, you're playing in front of ten, like probably 10,000 people at some points to playing in front of 100 people? Was that kind of – did it kind of lessen the games at all for you? It was definitely at times you can notice it on the sideline. But when you're playing the game, you, you really don't notice it no matter what. Mm-hmm. I, I, you can't really tell. Like, even last year, I could, like, uh, the only reason like, you could really tell is uh, on big touchdowns and big plays and the crowd goes crazy. That's the only thing you really noticed. But mm-hmm. other than that, it, it wasn't something that uh, I'd say affected the game. You know, we've talked about you on this podcast before, and uh, I remember the last time we were chatting, of course, you grew up in the same neighborhood with Jared, you know, and I asked him the question. I said, well, could you tell at a young age, Jared, that Brendan was going to be special? And he he gave you high praise, and he said he could see as a young kid, I mean, grade school kid, you had what it took. I mean, you come from a, a very athletic family, and now that you've grown to be really a young adult, uh, can you pretty much smoke your brothers now? <laughs> I mean, they won't admit it, but <laughs> I could definitely beat a man who's they want to put up. 
Yeah, growing up in Crestview was fun. Um, a lot of great, talented people uh, grew up there, and I feel like that's kind of what made me into a player I am a little bit, just to go out with other guys and playing them in every sport. That was, it was a lot of fun growing up there. What, do, when you This is a debate I get into often. Ironically enough, I get into it with your older brother, MJ, is you know where is technically, where would somebody consider themselves from? So we always talk about uh, Miles Bridges, how he always claims he's from Flint, even though he maybe left for high school. When people ask you where you're from, do you what's the first thing that comes out of your mouth? Is it Davison or is it Corona? I, I say Davison. Yep, that's what I thought. <laughs> that's what I figured. If they ask me where I like, they're like, where you like grew up, I, I'd say Corona. But if people ask where I'm from, I'd say Davison. Yep. that's that's a fair compromise. Yep. So, so Brendan, a little uh, self-assessment time here for you. I, I, we've talked about the strength and conditioning coach at Northwestern. The dude is just a legend, running up and down the sidelines with his his medium t-shirts on, and you know, just crazy intense. So, so you know, you're going to have him, you know, helping you work out and and build up your strength. Where do you think you need to like work on your game? If you had to look at yourself, look yourself in the mirror. What do you want to work on at the next level to become, to, to maybe, you know, win a Big Ten championship or be Big Ten player of the year? Yeah, definitely getting bigger, faster, stronger is one of them. Obviously, for everybody, I mean, coming into college is bigger, faster, stronger. But I think my main thing is, is um, reading defenses and, and knowing what to do pre-snap. Like, pre-snap reading defenses is probably the biggest thing. And, you know, knowing what they do, where they're going to go is, is probably the biggest thing college-wise. Because I feel like, my attributes are, are pretty much there, and Coach Jake is going to help me with that. But reading the defenses just gets you a step ahead of everybody. Mm-hmm. I have one more question to go back to uh, high school football for a second. You guys were pretty much to- clearly the top team, I think, in the state, but there's a lot of teams that were pretty close to you guys, I think. Was there any division? Was there any team that you really wish you could have played, maybe like a Muskegon or a Muskegon Mona Shores, a team that you normally wouldn't have had the chance to play? Was there one that you really wish you could have? Uh, not in Division One, you're asking. Yeah, not in Division One. I'm not sure. I haven't really thought about that too much. I, mm-hmm. I, I probably say uh, other Detroit school. Yeah. I mean, we don't really play Detroit schools too much, so either like, yeah, so somewhere around Detroit schools, we don't play them too much, and they got a lot of hype around them. So I, I, I want to play someone in Detroit. <laughs> yeah. Well, we know Brendan Sullivan, uh, definitely a top candidate to be Mr. Football. I don't know when that's going to be announced, but uh, one of the drawbacks apparently is your stats because you guys were killing teams so bad, you uh, you weren't in there a lot in the second half, right? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> we got a lot of guys this year that got the ball a lot, so it was a fun year, but yeah, the stats definitely weren't as, as what they were last year. Well, I've got two final questions for you. One is just uh, kind of taking a trip down memory lane to last year's state championship game. You know, as a young kid, you dream of playing in a state championship game, and you dream of coming up big. You certainly did that, you know, 14 and 19, passing almost 300 yards and a touchdown, over 3,000 yards passing, 33 TDs last year. I mean, it all came together. What did it feel like, you know, taking home that state championship trophy? It felt great. That, that was a moment that obviously you tears forever. Uh, a, a quick memory about it, it running, running out there for warm-ups. You know, you, you expect, you know, a couple people there, like like mm-hmm. a normal game for Davidson, it's probably five, 6,000 people there. You walk out, and it's probably a good 15, 20,000 people, and you're just in awe of the stadium, of everything. Yeah. And I was just like, warm-ups was so crappy for us because we were all just like, oh, my God. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it was a fun experience, and, I'm glad that we got to do it because it was something that we'll cherish forever. That whole weekend was just was so much fun. Um, they're doing it for the Davidson community there. It was so much fun. They were so supportive. They they brought the house. It was a lot of fun. Who taught you more about sports, your mom or your dad? <laughs> uh, that's definitely my dad. My mom <laughs> tried to take that 
ownership, but it's definitely my dad. Well, I got one final question. I know uh, I read a little bit about it. Uh, I'm very impressed. Um, you know, when you were a little kid, uh, you know, Corona had uh, number six, Shane Cantu, passing away. I know it was a tragedy with your dad and, and yourself. Just, you know, you honored him wearing the number six. Talk about Shane Cantu for just a bit. Yeah, that's 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 like another older brother to me. My, my dad coached him in high school, and mm-hmm. me being around the team the whole time, I just – Grew up idolizing him, and he was so cool about it, so great about it, just taking me under his wing, taking me everywhere he goes, coming over for dinner on Sundays. He was he was one of those guys that I wish I could have the chance to uh, have my kids meet, just of the impact he has on me and has on kids, just the smile that lights up the room. He, he's definitely someone that still impacts me to this day, even though he's not here. So I feel like that speaks volumes just about his character and his family's character of raising him. So he, he's yeah he's definitely someone that I'll remember for the rest of my life. Well, I'm sure you watched the Big Ten championship yesterday, and you saw the the team playing that, that you're about to go play for in a few weeks. Does that get you like a little fired up more seeing Northwestern playing in the Big Ten championship against Ohio State? I mean, you're already fired up to go to go play for Northwestern, but seeing them play, you know, in the Big Ten championship, does that give you a little more juice? Yeah, it definitely gives you chills. Um, Definitely makes you want, want to take him back and want him actually to win it because it's, it's, it's something really cool that I got to watch and it's, it's really cool because that's the school you're going to. It's kind of like a pinch yourself moment. Like, oh, that's about to be my teammates in a couple of weeks. It's really cool. Uh, I feel like they play really well. Uh, I listened to the last podcast actually. Uh, Darius throwing a little hate to my son Wildcat saying they had no chance. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, they, I'm not gonna lie, they have impressed me thoroughly this year. I, I, I can't wait to see what you do. You know, obviously they've they have a long tradition of a very strong defense. I can't wait to see what you do with the offense there. So I'm really excited. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was funny. Um, but yeah, they, they had a great first half. The second half turnovers kind of killed them. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, Brendan, we're looking forward to watching your career at. Uh, Northwestern and maybe beyond, but uh, we really appreciate you taking the time out here, just getting us caught up to date a little bit. You know, like you said, you grew up in Corona, but you're a Davidson <laughs> guy, which is cool. You know, we, we like to keep in the family here, but we want to wish you the best of luck uh, down there in Evanston and and have fun in the Chicago area, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Have fun. All right. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Brendan. Talk to you later. Excellent stuff there with Brendan Sullivan, you know, and he's going to play college football at Northwestern. We're definitely going to watch his career. And speaking of Northwestern, we're going to have our little locker room chat on college football, including the Northwestern Ohio State game. Right after this, I just want to tell you about Sheridan Auction Service. They always have a wide variety of items and real estate on the docket. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com. Also, Nelson House Funeral Homes' top goal is to serve the families in our community. Their number one priority is caring for our friends and neighbors and being right there when you need them the most. More info on the web at Nelson-House.com. Also, for carryout service right now, Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official sports bar of Three Point Podcast. Keep supporting them by calling in your takeout orders. Rivals Tap House and Grill in Corona at the corner of M21 and State Road. All right, so here we are again on the Locker Room app, again for our podcast listeners. Uh, it's called Locker Room app. It's a free download, free to sign up. So go ahead and do that. And anytime that we're on here, you can join in. You can either listen to us talk or you can actually chime in and be a part of the whole conversation. 
And for anyone on Locker Room, the three of us were Three Point Podcast, Jared, Ted, and myself. Uh, you can follow us on all social media sites at Three Point Pod or all podcast hosting sites. Just search Three Point Podcast and you can listen to our podcast. So today, yeah, we're uh, we're talking about championship weekend, all the, the championship football games that happened yesterday in college football. And Man, it was it was great. I don't know about you guys, but you know, obviously we're all Michigan football fans, but sometimes it's nice to just like not have a horse in the race, to just like all those great football games that were going on, to just kind of like sit back and and enjoy them and not actually have to stress out about Michigan or you know our team playing. It it, it was great because this is the first weekend all year that to me, I was honestly super excited to watch it. Like I was watching college game day at 10 a.m. I watched basically the entire Big Ten championship game, the entire Clemson-Notre Dame game, about half of the Alabama-Georgia game. That's the most college football I've watched all season. Probably I watched more college football yesterday than I have all year. And that's kind of embarrassing to say, but in a year where COVID has kind of almost ruined it in my in my own head, this was a year that was refreshing to see. This was a day that I loved. It was some good games. And ironically, the best game was the one I thought was going to be the biggest blowout, which is Ohio State-Northwestern. Yeah, that was awesome, and I kind of was in the same boat. I didn't watch wall-to-wall football all day, but I watched a good majority of it. In fact, uh, the Northwestern Ohio State game, uh, I had a previous obligation, as in I had grandpa duties down in Royal Oak in the morning. So I listened to the first half on the radio, and I thought, oh, my goodness, we're going to see a huge upset here. But I did have a feeling that Ohio State would come back, which they did. Watch the second half of that. Um, you know, and then the Notre Dame Clemson game kind of went according to what we figured. I think the big question mark, maybe one of our topics will be, does Notre Dame deserve to be in? I'll say this just one time. I want there to be a total college football, like doomsday scenario. We, we hear the lead up to the championship weekend every year for like a month. Like, oh, what happens if Alabama loses uh, Northwestern beats Ohio State? Uh, Oklahoma loses like what happens if all these teams loses we we know it's never going to happen but just once I want to see the chaos that would ensue if all those teams like just fell right off the top and we have to decide you know is Iowa State or Northwestern getting into the college football playoff it, that would be almost more entertaining entertaining than the actual college football playoff well yeah I, I see where you're going with that but the thing that that just it still baffles me that this year of all years, we can't have an eight-team playoff. You know, the bowl games all screwed up. You know, we got teams dropping out left and right. And, again, we have the debate. What are the top four teams? And if you at least expanded it to eight and moving forward expanded to eight, you get a little bit of drama. I mean, right now, do we want to continue watching college football when we know every single year it's going to be Alabama and Clemson for the championship game? I mean, don't we want to see a little at least drama leading up to it? I actually saw people tweeting on Twitter, uh, prominent media members saying that there should be no college football playoff this year. It should just be Alabama Clemson. Those people are the absolute worst. I don't (laughs) care if they're, you know, nine times out of 10, they're going to win their games against teams like Notre Dame and Florida and stuff. I don't care. They still have to play those games. It's more entertainment. It's just, it just makes it better. You want, and what happens is when you just go off of these, like, oh, it should be a two team every time you end up with a team like Notre Dame, who kind of has one big win against Clemson with a backup quarterback, and then they end up getting exactly. a championship game against Alabama and lose by 40. That's what would have happened if we would have had BCS this year without the, big, without the championship games. Well, yeah, and the other thing on Notre Dame's resume that they're trying to hang their hat on, oh, they beat North Carolina. Well, 
who cares? I mean, wouldn't this, I mean, you know, the way they got handled by a strong, healthy Clemson team on kind of a neutral site, you know, it was South, but it wasn't in Clemson's stadium. I mean, I, I myself, if I had a vote, I'd, I'd take Texas A&M right now over Notre Dame. Let me ask you this. Do you think that Ohio State is better than Oklahoma? And do you think that Northwestern is better than Iowa State? Because I saw that debate saying that they, people are thinking that the Big, the, the Big 12 championship game had two better teams than the Big 10 championship game, which I wouldn't be totally against. I mean, Ohio State, it took them a whole half to realize that all they had to do to win the game was literally just hand the ball off to a backup. Isn't it embarrassing as a Michigan fan where Ohio State's backup running back would be like the best player on our team? Like he would walk <laughs> in through those doors, didn't even, wouldn't even need to know the playbook. Just he would, all he would need to know is how, where to run and he'd be a, the best player on our roster. Yeah, that's, that's definitely embarrassing. Uh, to get to your first question, though, I think Ohio State, even with the six wins, even with the not-so-impressive win over Northwestern, uh, I think they belong in. And I think also, I, let's not shortchange Northwestern. That's, that's a pretty good team. They came out ready to play yesterday. You know, are they better than Ohio State? Uh, I put them pretty close to each, or Iowa State. I put them pretty close. Uh, I think Northwestern never gets a fair shake when it comes to, you know, how good they are. I mean, they got a great coach and watching them, or at least listening, I should say to that first half, yeah. it sounded like they were totally outplaying Ohio State. Listen, they, they lost to Northwest or they lost to Rocky Lombardi in Michigan State. They don't deserve any credit. They, they've played in a, the Big Ten. The Big Ten is so bad this year. It's kind of embarrassing how bad the Big Ten is this year. When you really look at it, it's basically Ohio State and then 50 feet of crap and then the rest of the teams. Sure, Northwestern, I guess, is at the top of that. But the teams they're beating are like Wisconsin, who has scored like one touchdown in like a month. And Michigan, whose quarterback, I don't even know if he can read defenses. And Michigan State, who's starting quarterback all season, just transferred out. Like, it's all these bad teams. Penn State, who just finally won a game a couple weeks ago. Like, they're all bad. Yeah, it's hard to argue that. That's for sure. I mean, you know, without Ohio State and the Big Ten, you got a pretty com- pretty competitive conference. But they're just so far ahead of everybody else. You know, and, you know, that Northwestern-Ohio State game, again, goes back to my whole argument about expanding the playoffs. I mean, Every once in a while, you could see something strange happen. I mean, Northwestern could have won that game. Yeah, Ohio State's talent prevailed at the end. But uh, if you had an eight-team playoff, who's to say that there wouldn't be an upset or two? Would they be a national championship if they're a seven and eight seed? Probably not, but at least they would have that opportunity to show it. Yeah, you guys got me here? Yep, yeah, you're yep. back on. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I guess I might have dropped out there for a second. But, but yeah, I'm kind of with you guys. You know, I – I could see the argument one way or the other with Ohio state because yeah, maybe they haven't played a full season. And obviously right now the big 10 doesn't look, you know, maybe as strong as they've been in the past or as strong as maybe the sec, but like the ACC to me is just as weak, I guess, as the big 10. So like Notre Dame's big win is Clemson. Like that's what they're going to hang on to. We beat Clemson earlier in the year. They're a top four team. They're definitely in the playoffs. uh, Clemson. But, you know, I think, like, it, you can't ignore the fact that they, they took Clemson to overtime to win against a true freshman quarterback because Trevor Lawrence wasn't there. I think that that's enough to me to say that Notre Dame maybe isn't out. If they would have played Clemson close yesterday, maybe won a, or lost in overtime again or taken them right down to the wire, maybe that'd be a little bit of a, you know, discussion. But, 
you know, getting absolutely blown out with Trevor Lawrence on the field, I think just makes it like, yeah, maybe that win earlier in the year against Clemson wasn't, wasn't as impressive as we thought. So I, you know, and, and I get people saying like, it's not about last season. It's not about how Ohio state has been the last 20 years. I understand that, but I, I guess, you know, maybe it's just because we're big 10 fans and I've watched a lot of Ohio state. I just think Ohio state is good enough to be there. Now, that being said, Justin Fields, has looked pretty iffy. So I, they, they might go in there and, and get blown out in, in the first round, I guess, the, the semifinal game. So I guess I don't know. But, you know, you, you guys brought up the 18 playoff, but is, is this a year that 18 playoff maybe would make sense with, you know, putting Cincinnati in or you wouldn't have to decide between A&M and Notre Dame right. or maybe even a Coastal Carolina, you actually give them a chance. You know, is, is this a year that an 18 playoff would make sense or is it just, it's inevitable. It's going to be Clemson, Alabama. It should just be them too. I'd rather see it expanded myself. And, you know, I've been a proponent of an 18 playoff all along, whether we start this year or next year, doesn't matter. This year would be a perfect opportunity to do it with COVID 20. Now I know we're on the locker room app for this portion of the podcast. And I know we are getting some participation from some of the listeners out there. Maybe we ought to uh, uh, either patch in with them or, you know, put their uh, comments on the air here with us. Yeah, I'll just say Maxwell uh, Maxwell Millington who is apparently a big time North Carolina fan. He says A&M has the toughest hill to climb because they don't have they don't have better wins than Notre Dame. I would agree with that. And then he also says that Ohio State should be out and that the ACC has uh, five ranked teams. Here's the, what I look at with the the rankings. The rankings are are such a joke. Cincinnati comes out as number six in the college football playoff rankings and they don't move up at all over the entire course of their season even though they just keep stacking wins. Uh, it just kind of cracks me up. The whole ranking system is so flawed. We all see it at the start of the year every year when Michigan is like a top five team. And we know that they're maybe a top 30 team. But this year, they weren't even a top 100 team. And it just cracks me up every year how it's judged off of like those wins at the time where you beat a Michigan or somebody like that, a Minnesota, and it's looked at like a big win, even though the teams are horrible. Yeah, yeah. The rankings this year are definitely out of whack because like Louisiana Lafayette, has been ranked or you know they're ranked and i mean coastal carolina has ended up having a strong season but you know they they've been ranked so yeah the the rankings this year are just completely out of whack and then even i i know like we've talked about matt campbell the head coach at iowa state i'm not like a huge fan of him coming into michigan a lot of michigan fans want him to come in but even maybe them being at number six isn't necessarily you know they probably shouldn't be at number six because they lost to Louisiana Lafayette earlier in the season so yeah I, I'm, I'm kind of with you Jared I, th- I think the rankings right now are a little a little bit out of whack but you know the, the ACC you know Maxwell he said the ACC does have five ranked teams so the ACC maybe isn't as weak as, as I was trying to make it out to be but I just think it, it one thing that I do think is funny is Notre Dame you know obviously one of the big things with them is they've never been in a conference for football and I just think it's funny that finally the year that they're kind of forced to play in a conference, what might put them out of the college football playoff is playing in a conference championship game because they got their mm-hmm. asses kicked and now they might be out of the playoff. Well, you know, that, you know, they lost because Clemson's a better team, obviously, with their starting quarterback. But they also lost because karma's a bitch. And I don't know <laughs> if you saw Brian Kelly whining about going to the Rose Bowl and no fans there. Well, he had a point, but he shouldn't have been talking about that till after he got done with business with Clemson. That's just, yeah. uh, that's how I see it. There is some truth to karma out there. And it, got, it bit him in the ass and it might cost him a playoff spot. Yeah, yeah the, ti- the timing was, was weird. 
the what did you guys think of the Big Ten championship game starting at noon instead of the normal eight o'clock? I like the noon kick because it's always on at eight o'clock when it's like Alabama going against Georgia or you know Auburn Georgia. Like the the clearly the biggest game of the of the night is always competing against the Big Ten. And I always have to pick and choose which game I watch. And when it's at noon, now I don't have to watch the crummy Big 12 championship game that I don't really care about. Now I just get to watch a Big 10 championship game. I love it. They need to keep it at noon. It was perfect. Yeah. Big 10, ACC, SEC. How do you beat that on a Saturday? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of set up perfectly for TV. And I'm sure that was probably like 100% the reason to put the Big 10 at noon. But, you know, I, I guess so we're – where do we stand on, on the big 10 and like Ohio state? And, you know, maybe we'll just quickly get into like signing day and kind of like moving forward with, you know, we're Michigan fans. So Michigan and some of the other teams, like, do we think like looking at the bigger picture, looking at those games yesterday, Clemson, Alabama, I mean, even Notre Dame, Notre Dame did lose, but you know, there's still a really good team, Ohio state. Like, is it just those teams? Like, I, I guess that's kind of like the discussion with expanding the playoff. Are, are all these other teams, Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina, even like a Florida or, you know, Iowa State and Oklahoma even, is it is it even almost like worth it for these teams to play? Or is it just like, is it just the, the big three, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, and then like everyone else? You know what I mean? Like, are yeah. they tier one I, and, and like the rest of the is... country tier two? This is the way I look at it is the only team I see potentially getting blown out if they're in the college football playoff is Notre Dame. Texas A&M has played Clemson the last couple regular seasons, and it's been a good game every single year or every single year that they've played. And Texas A&M, I mean, if you go through the SEC and you have one loss, like I don't care who you are, that you're a damn good team. Yeah. And if you just like look at the blind, like tell me what do you associate with getting blown out in the college football playoff more? Notre Dame, who every time they're there gets blown out. Or like uh, an SEC contender or Ohio State who maybe doesn't look the best on the field this year, but you just know that when the lights are on, like they have the athletes that aren't going to get blown out by an Alabama. So that's why I think I think if anyone should be out, it's Notre Dame. And then I put Texas A&M in their place. Do I think they're going to do that? No. So it'll just kind of go with chalk. I think Texas a and is going to be the fifth team out. I hate to be boring, but I 100% agree with what you just said. My four is Alabama, Clemson, OSU. We all agree with that probably. And Texas A&M in that four spot over Notre Dame. But again, you're right. The political part of it is they'll probably get uh, voted out. Notre Dame will stay in. I don't think they did. I don't think they deserve it after yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. What What do you guys think about like you know a lot of teams? I, I saw Penn State this morning, or whether whether it was late last night or this morning. That, that they're not going to participate in a bowl game. And obviously a bunch of other teams have uh, said they're not going to play in a bowl game, partly because of all the, the COVID stuff going on and everything. Do, we, do you think that's going to have a lasting effect or even like what's going on with the college football playoff? Like, do you, do you almost think that it's going to get to a point where some of these other bowls, the, the Duke's mayonnaise bowl and the, the, <laughs> the red box bowl, some of these might just like go away and then like, I, I know it might be like 10 years from now, but like the only thing we're going to see is a 16 team playoff. And if you don't make the playoff, you know, that's kind of it. Do you think it's ever going to get to that point? I don't want it. I don't want it to get to that point. Tell me, do you guys like NFL playoffs? Like a lot, a lot. Or do you like the, where the whole season matters in college football? That's what it's like right now. When, it, when you get to an eight or 16 team playoff, it, it, Alabama loses in the regular season. It doesn't matter. Ohio State loses in the regular season. It does not matter. 
it, it just kind of lessens the everyday. I know this season's a little bit, you got to act like it's like seasons in the past where you wake up every day, college game day. It's Alabama versus LSU. And it's basically a playoff game in the middle of October. That That's what I love. That's what, that's what I'm going to miss about college football. If you guys decide to expand it too quickly. Yeah. I'll, I'll just jump in. I am a huge NFL fan and I love the NFL playoff format. Uh, I don't know if I'd want to see college football go to, you know, exactly that, but I think college football can survive with an 18 playoff. Some bowl games still be in effect. Frankly, I think there's way too many bowl games. I mean, yeah, I love watching football as much as the next guy, but you know, when it is so watered down that they're debating, you know, oh, well, if you're a six and six team, you get in, you're qualified. I mean, how how intense I am I going to sit and watch that six and sixteen play? That, it, it's but you do watch it. That's the thing that I hate about this whole crowd of like, oh, these there's way too many bowl games. Then don't watch them. It's not like these teams. You think these teams don't know that, that they're playing in the Red Box Bowl? Like you think that they think that this is the, like the, the national championship they're about to step step on the field and play? No, they well, understand let me stop that. You well, they you know what watch, it is. You're going to watch every bowl game, every flea bag bowl game. You're going to watch every one of them. You're telling <laughs> me that watching Michigan in the Outback Bowl, like where we kind of realize that we're a lot worse than we think because we play a middle tier SEC team every year and get back knocked back down to reality. I appreciate that every year. It's a good kind of palate cleanser to realize just how far we are from I'll actually watch that one. Yeah, it's tough too, like now because it's becoming a trend that, you know, players opting out. So then you end up seeing almost like a bunch of the backups too. So that, that makes it kind of tough. Right. It, you know, and I think a lot of it is, you know, the, the players playing for that swag, like Michigan State playing in the Red Box Bowl. I wonder if they got like a, a year or a lifetime subscription oh, yeah. to Red Box. <laughs> They get set up on those bowl games. It's kind of incredible. It's kind of like it's, it's weird how the NCAA allows them to get all that stuff for a bowl game, like watches and Dre B Swag City. It's it is. Yeah, like I, I feel like I heard what whatever it was called, the Sony went with Sony uh, PlayStation like sponsored a bowl, and like all the players got brand new PS4s. And yeah, it is kind of like like you said, Jared. It's like how is that allowed? Because any other time, the NCAA wouldn't allow that. I guess yeah. maybe one of the last things I was going to ask you guys. So, like, in regards to expanding the playoff, everyone loves March Madness in college basketball. It's, like, the greatest sporting event ever. We love the upsets. We love the Cinderella stories. 16 over a one finally did happen, you know, stuff like that. But, like, would we like that in college football? You know, like, the, we love on nat, the national championship game being Clemson versus Alabama, you know, or, or something like that, a legitimate matchup. What if – on a, a, you know, they expand the playoff and randomly uh, Cincinnati just comes out and pulls this ridiculous upset over Alabama and knocks Alabama out of the college football playoff. Would we even like that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what if, what if Michigan finally did make it and some like ridiculous team like upset them in the first round as a 16 seed or something, you know, like, you know, would, would we want that Cinderella story in college football or is that just for college basketball? It'd be cool, but I think it would ruin the what like college football. I feel like has the best regular season of any sport, like major sport that anyone watches. I, I generally think that more than the NFL, more than the NBA. It's I feel like I spend more time watching the actual regular season of college football than any other sport. And I think that when you expand it to sixteen, and basically it's like half the Big Ten gets in, half the SEC gets in two teams from the big 12, two teams from the pac 12. Like there's no really incentive to winning all these like conference games, like just, just win less than one or two games as one of these top tier programs, like a Penn state or Michigan, you're in every year. I just think it's stupid. I think it would ruin 
what would make for an entertaining like four or five weeks at the end of the season, it would ruin the first 12 weeks of the season, in my opinion. I don't, th- I don't think so myself. I think if you limit the playoff to, and I think the number it really has to be is not 16. I think it's eight. I think the regular st- season would still have a, an importance. You still have to be playing for the seeding in that. You know, if you're the number one team in the country and play the number eight team, you should be a pretty big uh, favorite in that game. Now, can a Cinderella upset happen? Yeah, and you know what? I'd be okay with that. I'd love to see the first round of the playoffs, a big upset of the number one team. I know it waters down uh, the remaining two weeks of the season there in the eight-team format, but I would love to see it. I mean, that's what sports is all about. You know, I I do not – and we're sitting at a point right now where I'm kind of – I'm really kind of sick of it when there's only two or three teams that are going to be contending for a national championship and get that opportunity. Yeah, am I going to watch it? Is it going to be great football? For sure. But I'd like to see a little prelude leading up to it. Yeah, I, I, I guess we'll see, you know, and, and by the time this podcast drops, uh, we'll we'll know what the, the top four is. But I guess before we, we can get out of here, unless you guys have other thoughts. what So what are your final four picks? I, I, I think it's going to be, you know, obviously Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. And I, man, I, I would be. We we all know that money and TV and everything comes into play. So they want to put Notre Dame in there. They want to get that that Notre Dame money. I, I almost wonder if they're going to see that loss yesterday and say that, you know, Clemson showed that that win earlier in the season for Notre Dame against Clemson wasn't impressive. I think they're going to put Texas A&M in. I think A&M is going to be the fourth team. What, are, what do you guys think? I hope they do that. I agree with your top three, Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson, but I think it's they're going to end up keeping Notre Dame in. They're not going to fault Notre Dame for playing in a, in a conference championship game uh, when they're undefeated. They only have one loss. They're getting in. Uh, I don't think they should. Like you said, if a team's going to get blown out, it's going to be them. And, and watch, it's going gonna, it's gonna to match up Notre Dame versus Alabama, and they're going to lose by about 40. Um, but I, it's just the way the college football playoff is. It's not a perfect system, but I'll live it because I feel I'll live with it because I feel like still, no matter what, every year we get the two best teams in the championship game. Yeah. And money is power and Notre Dame. I can understand them being in that fourth slot, but I think college football is going to make the right move. I think it's going to be Texas A&M in the fourth spot and the other three, the same. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we'll see. So, any other thoughts on college football or the championship weekend? Actually, yeah, I do. I have one last thought that I just remembered, and thank goodness you just queued that up. Okay. And you're actually the main culprit of this, Matt. Ironic. <laughs> National Signing Day. Okay. Uh-huh. Michigan apparently had had a good day uh, from what I saw on Twitter. But I tell you what, as a Michigan fan, I was so annoyed with the Michigan <laughs> fan base on Twitter. They are, for every three-star, four-star that signs, they are acting like it's he's going to turn the tide, like it's the next Bo Jackson. No, no, believe me. Matt, I tweeted this out, and it still rings true. For every one of these, like, quote-unquote studs that we got on Michigan, Ohio State has five of them waiting in the weeks. You don't even know their names yet. They're, they're, they're third on the depth, on the depth chart. They're just waiting for their chance, and they'll ball on Michigan when they do get that chance. It does not matter who we bring in. It doesn't matter what coach we bring in, home run hire or not. We are doomed for the foreseeable future (laughs) until we get in a new coach. I really don't know what else to say. I don't know if even a new coach will do it. I am so out of gas when it comes to Michigan football that if you think some 17-year-old like a J.J. McCarthy, who I'm just calling it right now if I had to predict, he's he's Shane Morris 2.0. Just Shane Morris 2.0. That's all I'm going to say about him. I, 
if you think that these guys are going to get my blood rushing in the middle of the week in December for next college football season, when I've had to watch Michigan get blown out by teams like Wisconsin this year, you are out of your mind. I, I just please explain to me how your brain doesn't see what I'm seeing here, Matt, I guess. Well, Ted, do you have any thoughts before I, before I was, I, I was just going to say, Matt, I'm on Jared's side a little bit here. You are definitely <laughs> a recruiting slappy. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I definitely don't, I don't follow recruiting or I'm, I'm not as in on recruiting as I used to be, but obviously I still do follow it. it you know, we're, we're lifelong Lions fans and Michigan fans. We're, when is our time to shine as Lions and Michigan fans? It's the off season. It's the, it's the NFL draft for the Lions. All of a sudden we get fired up that the Lions made some great picks or yeah, re- recruiting season for Michigan. You know, I think the biggest thing, it is exciting to see them land some, some big recruits because we saw how terrible this season has been and really like the Jim Harbaugh era hasn't gone as planned obviously so like it is a little for me like a little exciting I guess to see them still like pulling in some recruits even though like if if you followed basically anyone outside of the Michigan program it's like the the program's about to collapse so you know it's a little exciting to still see some kids want to come to Michigan the biggest thing to me was Donovan Edwards the, the kid out of Michigan, you know, the running back recruit that came in when he said uh, that it's about the players that are going to turn around the program. That, that really actually got me fired up. And, you know, obviously we have no idea what's going to happen once these kids actually come, because we know kid with the transfer portal, your kids are going to start transferring like crazy, or, you know, they might just, they might not pan out. But when, when I heard him say, it's about the players coming in and changing the program, like kind of saying, like, like you said, Jared, it's not about Harbaugh or it's not about if they do bring in a new coach or something. It, the players have to have some accountability. So hearing him say that, and you know that him and all the other recruits coming in, J.J. McCarthy and other guys are texting each other and talking all the time. So you know they must be saying, like, let's all come in together. This class right here, we're going to bring Michigan back. We're going to, you know, we're going to beat Ohio State. We're going to beat Michigan State and stuff like that. That's what really like kind of started to get me fired up here because, you know, I've said it on the podcast before that when, when do the players, you know, catch some of the flack. When do the players actually like take some accountability? So hearing him say it's on the players to turn this around, basically, that, that did get me fired up. But it, it is kind of funny sometimes to get like to see how excited some people get over 17, 18 year old kids just saying where they're going to go to school. Yeah, I will agree with you. There is a little bit of silver linings there, uh, basically just along the same lines of what you said, whereas even in a years of like such turmoil at Michigan, it's kind of reassuring to know that we can still recruit with the big boys. And, and, and that's even more important on a year like this year, where it seems like every single year that we go on and on, I start to doubt more and more whether or not Michigan is like a, a cream, creme de la creme, like top tier program, because it just seems like Jim Harbaugh, bringing him in it just seemed like he was such like a home run hire there was no way he wasn't going to succeed at Michigan and you hear Michigan State fans and Ohio State fans saying you know you guys are not as good as you think you are like you you guys are not this legit program like you guys only have one national title in like 40 years I kind of start you start to see it more and more and a small victory like recruiting day getting some five stars getting some guys to flip from other major programs it's reassuring I, I loved it that portion of it Yep, and uh, a little more on the pessimistic side, Josh Patel says, none of these guys are turning the program around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I tend to agree. Yeah. 
Josh yeah, is I mean, up yeah. early. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it's on the West Coast, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah, we definitely uh, appreciate anyone chiming in on, on Locker Room. Again, we're, we're Three Point Podcast. Follow us on social media at Three Point Pod. Search Three Point Podcast on all your podcast hosting sites, and you can listen to that. We're going to throw this this recording into our podcast so you can listen back. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate everyone chiming in. So any anything else, guys, before we sign off on college football? Good to go. All right, next up on the podcast, this is this is a real fun podcast, you know, talking college football, talking with Brendan Sullivan of Northwestern, and now we're talking with a head college football coach, Ryan Brady of the Saginaw Valley State Cardinals. And, Ryan, I uh, appreciate you joining us. Uh, you know, COVID-19 2020 has been a bizarre year, to say the very least. And how bizarre is it for a head football coach that has no games to coach? Yeah, it's been definitely bizarre. Um been challenging it's been unique so it's just a constant battle every day of waking up and and waiting to find out kind of what's going to come down the pipe and it seems like there's new developments and new changes and new adaptations that you have to uh, make uh, day in and day out and so um you know it's really uh it's really uh, made things uh difficult in some ways um but we feel like we've made the best of uh of our situation and uh had a really good uh fall semester Something that I'm honestly just really curious on and need to be educated on a little bit is how are they doing the new with new recruits coming in and you know your past players, seniors who didn't have a chance to play their senior year. Are they granted another year of eligibility, or is that still hasn't totally been decided yet? Yeah, so our seniors they have been granted um, an additional year of eligibility. Okay. And so and then this year basically doesn't take a year of eligibility from anybody. Mm-hmm. And so um, everybody's kind of got the benefit of the doubt here. Um, terms of eligibility and so um we will have um our seniors back in the fall of 21 i'm curious you know we talked about what how crazy 2020 has been already and uh, i'm curious what your approach has been or how you've handled i guess recruiting where you can't have the traditional visits on campus or you can't you know make those in-home visits and stuff like that how challenging has recruiting been this year yeah, it's definitely been – everything's been different. Um, and so there's there's no such thing as traditional anymore. Um, and so it's really um, – we've had to develop a whole new process with every aspect of our program, um, from the way we lift weights to the way we practice to the way we do meetings to the way we recruit to the way we interact with our team. And so it's been um, a constant, um, constant battle of uh, you know, focusing on the things that we can do and and ultimately trying to keep, you know, our, our coaches and our players as safe as possible. And so that's always on the uh, the first thought that we consider before we make any determinations and kind of what we're going to do. But we just honestly just started our process, um, you know, when we were all at home and we weren't allowed to leave the house, you know, coaching staff and myself, we just we got on Zoom and we started watching recruits and started evaluating um, the guys together and, we just spent like every day, hours yeah. upon hours, just on Zoom together, watching film and talking about what we wanted to do and what our needs were and you know, what our philosophies were going to be. And so uh, we, we felt good about our evaluations, and I thought we the, the staff has did a great job. And so we've had to adjust our process. You know, you, you can't bring you know 15 kids up to campus on the same day with you know their all their families, and you can't have a large group. And so it's been. It's been a much more tedious process, been a lot more work. And so it's, you know, you, you bring student athletes and their families up, you know, on a one-by-one basis. 
I, I'm sure Ryan's Zoom uh, get-togethers with coaches and players probably go a lot smoother than our family one we had last night. I'm <laughs> just going to leave it at that. I've been on a few of those myself. So <laughs> those are always interesting with everybody, uh, everybody talking and making noise. So I did a few of those family birthday parties, and that's, you know, uh, everyone's trying to figure out, how, how does this work, you know? And so, but it's, um, you know, I feel like we've uh, we've adapted well as coaching staff, and I'm really proud of my coaching staff. They've done an outstanding job, and um, we really feel good about where we're at here uh, coming up to Christmas. You've had a little bit more of extra time this fall, probably more extra time than you've had in 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, what have you been doing with your time? Have you been golfing? How's the golf game? I did get some golfing in this summer. Um, I started really late, though. I didn't golf my first round until the 4th of July weekend. <laughs> so, But then, I, then after that, I really got a good push in. So, but it, it was a good year for me, so I, I felt good about that. But, you know, I, I, honestly, I thought uh, this fall was tremendously uh, productive for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were able to get 13 practices in. So we basically, we basically did our spring season um, this fall. And so we had an acclimatization period where we lifted weights and we did skill development. And, um, and so that was, that was great. And we do, we do a, um, what we call the Victor's Edge Leadership and Mentality Training Program here. And so we did that. Um, as well, which was really uh, really productive for our culture, for our kids. Um, and then we got towards uh, the back half of our semester, and um, you know we got to get our 13 practices in. Well, you know we've we've talked here a little bit about COVID 19 and 2020, and it sounds like you guys are handling it as well as you possibly can. But I want to kind of pick things up a little bit here in this. Uh, you know, since last time we talked. You were uh, the defensive coordinator at Ferris, and then had the opportunity to get a head coaching job. 2019, you manned the sidelines over there at Saginaw Valley as the head coach. You know, this is uh, old sports guy, generic type of question, but uh, how did you find the transition going from, you know, an assistant to running the show? Well, it was um, it was hectic because uh, I was hired so late. I got hired on March 22nd, and so I had three days to hire staff, and then wow. uh, we had three days to sit down and get organized and go out and do a practice field, and some of us had um, computers or keys, and so it was, you know, then we had two and a half weeks, um, so we had a very short time to do spring practice, and, and so that time came and went fast, and then we rolled right into the summer months, and you get into golf outings and summer camps, and before you blink your eyes, it was, you know, the fall of uh, 2019, and, you know, I, I thought uh, our coaches did, did a good job, and we went out there and, and had, had a good first semester, but, you know, for me, it's, uh, I feel like I've adjusted well, and you know, working with Coach Anise, that, that that prepared me extremely well, and so having spent ten years with him and you know right by his side, I, I feel like I've learned from the best, and so I felt like um, I was very well prepared to come in and, and take over this program, and I feel good about the, the direction and the path that we're on here at Saginaw Valley, and feel great about the culture and, and the kids, and so we're doing a lot of really good things. Uh, I guess the biggest frustration for me is I've only. I think I've been the coach now for 20 months, and I've only had two full-time semesters with my guys. So I had a fall of 2019, and then I've had a fall of 2020. So I haven't had a lot of a lot of time, um, my staff and I, with the kids yet. And so, you know, we're just uh, we're just waiting for this COVID stuff to, to get over, so we can really like put the hammer down here and and really push forward and, and, and try to achieve our goals. You mentioned Coach Anise, and we're we're big fans of Coach Anise on this podcast, obviously. And- and you had a legendary career at Chesanine and then Grand Valley State, and obviously you coached under uh, Coach Anise at Ferris State. 
What have you taken from each of those stops, from your playing career, Chesanine, Grand Valley State, and then your, your coaching career with Coach Anise and, and other places? What have you taken from each of those places you've been to, you know, now being the head coach at SBSU? Yeah, sure. You know, I had a great experience in high school. Very blessed to play for Jim Zappin, and, you know, we won a state championship, and that was just unbelievable um, memory in my life. And I had someone ask me, like, hey, what would have happened to you if um, – you wouldn't have had your senior year um, because of COVID. And I said, well, I, I, wouldn't, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be here as a coach. I said, because that, that experience just made me who I, who I am today. And so um, I don't know what I would do if I wouldn't have had uh, you know, that moment in time. Um, and that was really special for me and uh, my guys. that We grew up together. But from Coach Zapp, you know, just, you know, she's an expert in strength and conditioning and speed development. Um, and so I've, I've brought a lot of those things, you know, with me here to Saginaw. And now we have Coach Winter, who I think is you know, one of the best Division II strength coaches in the country. He's got an awesome staff. And so we have a great setup here with our strength and conditioning department. You know, and then fortunate to go play for Brian Kelly and really learned a lot about the X's and O's and those dynamics. And, and he's, he's been a great mentor for me, and we, we still keep in touch. And, you know, so he's, he's always been awesome uh, to me, and so I'll, I'll be forever grateful. And we were, you know, that was an awesome experience as well, going and being a part of a couple of national championships and being over there when, um, you know, that, that thing got started um, in Allendale. And so that, that was really cool um, experience for me. And then, then, you know, I came back to the area and was, you know, worked at Chesney as a teacher. And then I got the call from Coach Anise. And, you know, that was like an unbelievable 10 years, you know, and just the, having, you know, been at Grand Rapids Community College and then to Ferris State. And, uh, you know, he always, Treated me unbelievably well, and like a son, and um, I loved him. And uh, he's, you know, he he just taught me how to treat people. You know, that's the the thing that I will always take from him is just you know, how he interacts with everybody and how he treats players. And so um, that's probably the best thing that I've learned uh, to this day. And he's the man. So I've just been very blessed to have been around. I think you know, three of the you know top coaches that you know, in my opinion, that. Uh, that there are to go back to just kind of the COVID and what you had to deal with this season. What was like your guys' normal practice days like in terms of like with social distancing and wearing masks? What was different between practices last year and like the fall practices this year? Were you guys even in contact? Were you having contact with players? Yeah. So yeah. So I mean, we're we're masked at practice. You know, so we had we had to do a lot of research and figure out how to buy these special masks yeah. that attach to your face mask that just cover your nose in your mouth so everybody's masked at practice and you know all the practice periods got to be spaced out where we don't do a period for more than 15 minutes to try to stay under the cdc guidelines mm -hmm. so you know we can try to avoid um you know contact and so yeah i mean every little thing of practice was different you yeah. know every after every period you know we had to have people at every station to sanitize you know equipment bags and you know we, we had no access to a locker room and so we we developed this concept um, where we give every player a five-gallon pail. So then you you know you show up to practice dressed and ready, and you got your pail, and you know everybody's got a area in the stadium where they put their pail down, and that's their locker room. They sit down and put their cleats on, and put their pail back over, and put all their their backpack and all their stuff and their keys and their phone in. And so you know everything everything is different. You know, so for a long time we were in pods of you know pods of like eight guys at maximum numbers and so you had to stay in your pod for weight training for skill development and so you know that's a challenging thing where you got 100 120 players and 
know, you got it. Everyone's in Condina's pot of eight. And so, man, yeah, it was, it was, it's been a lot of um, preparation, a lot of details, a lot of meetings. But I, I thought it was, I thought we did a good job of figuring out the crossword puzzle and yeah. um, being really productive and having a great semester. But I mean, it, I mean, every classroom only has a certain number of people. You know, so you got to figure out, okay, where can we have a position meeting for the wide receivers and where can the Hoffins align me and, you know, who, who can meet on Zoom and how do we do that? How do we make the film work? And so it's, I mean, it's, uh, it's been an education to say the least, but I think it's made us better coaches because that's what coaches do. They prepare, they adapt, they overcome. And so we've had to, we've had to adapt and overcome all these challenges. And I, I think we did a good job and came up with a great schedule and a plan. And um, I thought it worked really well this fall and I feel great about, you know, what we were able to accomplish. Um, I feel good moving into um, the next semester here, and we're now this will be our fall season. So we'll come back in January. We'll be ready to get on the practice field and start our weight training. And I got a few um, exhibition games lined up, and so we're looking forward to, um, you know, trying to get some of the time back that was taken away from us. Is there anything that you've had to do this last few months that you think you're going to keep within your program and your practices, whether it's Zooms or the way you guys do position meetings that you think you're going to keep? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Things have changed for um, forever, you know. I mean, it's even when we go back to quote-unquote normal, I, I think there will be some things that we'll, still, that we'll still hold on to, you know. I mean, you know, our players, you know, I study Chip Kelly and the stuff that he does with a lot of the sports science, you know, and some of their methodologies mm-hmm. and, in terms of, like, rest and practice and getting off your feet, you know. So we've, we've found, like, some productive ways, you know, practice to, hey, go sit on your pail for, you know, 120 seconds. And there's benefits to that and recovery and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why they send, that's why they send LeBron James to the bench <laughs> yeah. for, for his little his little stints. And everyone's like, why would you take him out of the game? Well, hey, there, there, there's science behind that, you know. And so we're studying all of those things and, and finding uh, better ways to do things and be more efficient. And so – I think, you know, there's there's a lot of things. The, the Zoom meetings, they, they have a place. And there's, there's a place to utilize them for communication. And, you know, so I think, um, you know, moving forward, we'll definitely, uh, there'll definitely be some things that will stick. And, um, and then obviously there'll be some things like, uh, you know, the kids will be glad to not have to wear masks, yep. you know. And so the communication aspect has been, you know, more challenging when coaches got a mask on and the students can't really see your facial expressions as much. And sometimes it's harder to hear. And so I, I think, you know, Everyone will be looking forward to, to the day that that kind of goes back to normal. But, yeah, no, I, I think, you know, moving forward, there will definitely be some things that will um, we'll probably um, carry over. Sounds good. I'll wrap this up with you, Ryan. Um, first, a comment. Were the buckets that each player carried, are they sponsored? Because three-point podcasts might be interested. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I think we got them from. Uh, hardware store okay. base city or something. I don't know. My my equipment guy <laughs> scooped him up and thought he got a deal. I don't know. All right, all right. But the the question I want to I don't know, man. <laughs> question I want to end up with here is uh, I know you can't talk about uh, current recruits, but I know you can talk about some of the players that you already have in the fold. Uh, one of them is one of Jared's best friends, Cooper Clapp, who is now over at Saginaw Valley. Talk a little bit about uh, what you're looking from him and maybe any other local mid-Michigan kids that our listeners might be uh, not aware that are over there at Saginaw Valley. Sure, yeah. So Coop came here and joined the team in the fall and thought he had a really, really solid uh, semester. And, you know, he fit in really well here. So that that's always fun to see the dynamic, you know, when new people come into the program and I would tell you that's probably one of the challenges that was tough is 
you know, with the COVID stuff, it's hard. There's no team time. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, guys in the locker room hanging out. There's no, oh, let's go to the dining hall. We're going to have a team meal and everyone gets to visit. You know, so there's, like, no team time. So, you know, we went about, you know, about four or five weeks in the semester, and I just sit and visiting with some guys, and they're like, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? And I'm like, what do you mean? You don't know who that is? <laughs> so it really kind of opened my eyes and said, oh, wow, you know, we didn't have fall camp, and we, didn't, we missed out on all these team opportunities to, like, interact and, and engage with each other. And so, you know, that, that's, you know, so you worry about, like, a guy like Cooper coming into a, a new place and trying to get comfortable and meet people. But I, I thought that that, you know, once we got into the practice field and we started doing some of those things, that really – that really helped sped up uh, his process. But he, had, he, he did a good job. We, we, put, we moved him. He's playing center. And so uh, he snapped the ball well, and, you know, he, he worked his way up. And, um, you know, he, he ended up uh, having a really productive uh, fall. We're really excited about him. I thought he came in in, in good shape, and their strength coaches are really pleased with um, what they see from him. And um, you know, he's still got four years of eligibility left. So, wow. um, you know, we're really excited. We think there's a lot of growth there. And he did well in his academic program. And so – uh, he feels really good, and he likes, you know, what's happening here and the culture and the environment that we have established. And so, you know, we're fired up about Coop. We think Coop's um, going to uh, really, uh, you know, impact this program positively. Excellent. Well, look, uh, you've taken enough time. We appreciate it here on this Sunday morning when we're recording. We'll definitely stay in touch with you, Ryan. We're going to be following the Saginaw Valley State Cardinals and, you know, best of luck down the road. Hopefully we get this COVID crap behind us and get somewhat back to normal. But uh, we appreciate the time today and we just want to wish you the best of luck going down the road. Well, thanks, guys. I I appreciate the time and uh, anytime you need me, just let me know. I love what you guys do and love your show and I keep track of you guys, and so I think it's great and love to talk about like what's going on around here locally, and um, you know, we're excited that you're uh, following Saginaw Valley football. Excellent. Well, have a good Christmas, Ryan, and a happy new year, all right? Yeah, you guys too. Merry Christmas. All right, I tell you what, this is a fun podcast I think we put together here, guys. Heavy duty on the football, but but some good stuff, good stuff there with Ryan Brady. Speaking about good stuff, if you're looking to purchase or refinance, contact the team at Success Group Mortgage located in downtown Owasso. We talked about Jim Woodworth. Well, give them a call, 989-720-4380. We're all from Corona. The CoronaConnection.com knows it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at CoronaConnection.com. Also, Hankered Sportswear, the area's top clothing and more printing business located in the heart of Owasso. Follow them on Facebook at Hankered.Sportswear. And Advanced Elevator Company, they have the best field technicians for troubleshooting, repair, and installation of elevators, an area business leader and a huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools. Well, fellas... You know, we'll wrap up this podcast, just uh, maybe a few thoughts on uh, Christmas, New Year's, this last year, whatever we want to get into to wrap this thing up. I'll say this. Having a girlfriend for Christmas <laughs> is hell on earth. There's really no <laughs> other way to put it. There's, I mean, there's just no other way to put it. I, I've never been, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily stressed about it, but I've never gotten more presents. I've never had to deal with wrapping these presents. I've never had to worry about I, just to put it lightly her family is it's almost like they're like straight out of the movie elf they love christmas they love love the love christmas where you come from my family where my brothers never even get me a christmas gift they're they're planning their gifts for each other months in advance so it's been a little bit of a wake-up call you know we're in the home stretch here kind of you know tying up a few loose ends here real quickly before the big day on friday but we're looking good so far good 
Yeah, obviously it's a little different when you have a girlfriend or, you know, a wife or, you know, a spouse, whatever, significant other to buy presents for, but it's still fun, right? You you enjoy Christmas? Are you enjoying it a little bit? Yeah, I'll just say this. I'm buying stuff that I never thought I'd be buying. Bath bombs, uh, you know, woman's clothing. I, I don't, Just stuff that I never thought I'd be putting into my Victoria's uh, Secret. my car and charging it to my credit card. I, it, it's happening. So that's where we're at. So you're you're starting to get the notifications from your credit card. Is this you that purchased this? Because yes. you've never bought this stuff before. Yes, pretty much. And, and like, just you notice it on like Facebook. When in the past, uh, my the like targeted ads toward me. Uh, we're always like you know, like Nikes, uh, yeah. Jordan, uh, you know, shoes, uh, Michigan gear. Now it's like women's like underwear and women's <laughs> like shirts and shorts. Like it's just it's weird. It's almost like I'm in a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy to think that we're even all the way or already to the holiday season. Because I know it seems like you always say it seems like you say it every year. Like holy crap, it's already Christmas or it's already New Year's, but. This year, especially 2020, I mean, it seems like, you know, we've talked about COVID and, and March a little bit on this podcast. I don't, do you guys feel like, like thinking back to March and like some of our podcasts back then, or like, you know, one thing I would think of like Tiger King was huge back then, or mm-hmm. like when the last dance documentary yep. was airing, that's already like months ago. Does that stuff, does it seem like it's that long ago? Or like, to me, it feels like that stuff was just like last week. I don't know. This year is just like flown by. It, I really do think it has flown by, and it's weird because it. it we've all talked about how this year sucks, and you know, twenty twenty is the worst. Twenty twenty one is going to start off a little bit rough, I think, as well. Uh, until you know whether what you think about the vaccine or not, at least it'll probably open up com- like businesses and restaurants. I think and it will turn life somewhat back to normal. So we got a little bit of a home stretch here to finish, but it, it's it's weird when you're doing these family Zoom calls for Christmas and Thanksgiving. It just it you you I know I've said this already, but it just feels like a Twilight Zone episode. There's really no other. It feels not like a Twilight Zone episode, but what our generation would call a uh, Black Mirror episode. Yeah, you know, you talk about the Zoom meeting, and we did the Thanksgiving one, which was uh, my head was hurting after that one. There was so much talking and over talking of everybody. <laughs> we just did our annual Christmas one yesterday. Usually on the Saturday before Christmas, we all get together as a family, and it's a wild get together, but we're all in person, and we go to Frankenmuth. This year, my dad, who always foots the bill for the Frankenmuth dinners, this year he had my sister bring down takeout from Frankenmuth, which was a very, very nice thought and uh, very well appreciated. But part of our get-together was to do a whole family Zoom. I don't know whether it was 20 of us on there, probably. Probably more. It was a much better production than the first one, the Thanksgiving one. I will say that. Jared's dad, uh, John, put it together as far as we weren't having everybody over-talking. You know, we were all muted. We had a little contest of uh, two... uh, Truths and a lie. Yeah. Uh, what, Classic what? Uh, icebreaker. Yeah, two truths and a lie. And we each got to do one of those. You know, we, everybody else was muted while you did that. And then we voted. That was kind of fun. The only drawback was it, it seemed to take forever and ever because uh, people would then make comments afterwards. It was, it was still, it was fun. But this 2020 year, with all the adjustments we've had to make, and we're making them on the fly, 
it was better than nothing. Let's just put it that way. It was better than not getting together. And, you know, let's just wrap this up by maybe talking a little bit about what our Christmas plans are. I uh, Yesterday morning was, I, I'm, I'm in grandpa mode, 100%. Yesterday morning went down and celebrated our Christmas with Jessica and uh, her family, you know, and they have the newborn Sloan. So I got to actually hold Sloan. You know, but, of course, masks were required and, you know, that whole thing. We did our little family picture, and all the adults were wearing their mask, and Parker and Sloan without a mask. So it'll be an interesting Christmas card that everybody will get this year. And then we're planning on going out to see the other granddaughter and family out in D.C., actually on Christmas Day, if all goes well, according to plans. But it's definitely a, a different year. That's our plans. How about you guys? Yeah, it's definitely different. I mean, I kind of did the similar thing. My family got together and did our, our like, family Christmas party, I guess, similar like, what you guys always do. Uh, they did it yesterday, so obviously I'm down here in Charlotte, so I called and we did the FaceTime, and, you know, I saw what they were up to and what they were having for dinner and all that stuff. So, you know, it, you mentioned the Zoom calls, and obviously being in person and having the, the traditional parties is way more ideal, and you definitely miss that hopefully next year. This stuff is figured out so we can get back to those parties. But it is one of those things, like, you're thankful for technology. You know, I mean, take shots at, like, the millennials always on their phone or uh, these kids are always on their iPads or their computers or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, it's like the the technology and the the way that we've been forced. I mean, we talked to Ryan Brady being forced how he's had to be, like, recruiting and all that stuff. Thankful for the technology because otherwise, I mean, yeah, I guess maybe I would talk to them on the phone. But, you know, that's not the same as – being able to see them or being able to actually see what they're up to or what they're having for dinner and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I've thought that's one thing I've taken out of 2020. Not ideal. It hasn't been, you know, it's been a strange year and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, what we have been able to do, it, you know, it, it wasn't all terrible, I guess. My Christmas is going to be a weird one with both my brothers out of town for the first time. You know, it's just going to be me, my mom, and my dad. And I don't know if we're trying to do a Zoom or whatever where we all open up presents in different areas or what's going on with that. But it's definitely going to be a different Christmas for sure. My big complaint about Christmas, I don't know if it's a complaint or if it's something I wish was around still. I, I, don't, I don't hate Christmas cards. I kind of like the old, you know, get a Christmas card. The Christmas cards I can't stand, on the other hand, are the ones where it's like your dog's. It's like a picture of your dogs. Like, I, do I really need a picture of your dogs uh, on your Christmas card? Or the family where it's like, you know, it's a new couple and they have like three brand new like golden retrievers as dogs. And it's like the, you know, the 25 year olds with their dogs. That's their, like, family. their family. Like, it's a joke. No, send me a picture of you two or don't send me a picture of your dogs. I, just dogs are a joke. I love dogs. I'm a dog guy. I'm an animal lover, but they don't belong on a Christmas card, especially if it's only them on the Christmas card. Yeah, my last comment on this is, you, since you brought up your brothers, of course, your brother Josh lives in Arizona. Your brother Johnny went out to visit. I have a question for you. Um, on our Zoom last night, I see in the background at your brother's place, I, I couldn't quite figure it out. It looked like it was a mannequin with your head on it. Now, what is the story with no, that? No, that's a Zoom, Zoom virtual uh, background. So I'll just give this quick rundown of this story. Uh, so when I was younger, you know, I was a little bit heavier, a little bit heavier of a kid, you know, late bloomer in that sense. Well, first of all, hold that thought for a minute. I think your brothers are relentless on you. They should need to quit picking on you all the time. Yeah. Uncle, oh, that's my, that's my life. It, so. it just rolls right off my shoulders at this point. <laughs> uh, so he had a virtual background, a picture of me, my freshman year right before homecoming. Uh, basically, I was blackmailed into taking this picture because what we used to do for high school football is – 
his senior year, we would like predict whether like what the scores would be of his varsity game and my freshman game. And, you know, his team, like, they would play teams like Portland, who was poised for, like, a state championship run, and you knew they are going to lose by, like, three or four scores. So I would, you know, I'm, I want to win this, like, challenge between us. So I would predict them to lose by multiple scores. And I did that a few times a year, and every time I would do that, he would, you know, take a picture of it, threaten to show. And, you know, I'm the scared little freshman at the high school, threatening to show all of his teammates, like, they're all going to, you know, Beat come you after up. you. And so he blackmailed me and basically said, hey, like, throw on this homecoming vest, like, you know, like a dress vest without a shirt underneath and a tie. So, and that's a picture. So I, that's really all it was. He put it as virtual background, kind of stole the show of the Zoom meeting. Uh, I, there's a lot of photos like that that I'd like to uh, maybe get rid of one day. Okay, at least that clears it up in my mind i thought there was an actual mannequin in the room <laughs> that's probably the, <laughs> the oldest the comment you've back, had in people life. have gotten really creative with the virtual background yes Ted, now now you're aware that you can do virtual backgrounds on the zoom meeting apparently yes yeah. uh, i'll never learn it before i die let's put it let's be frank <laughs> yeah yeah i guess uh, i'm uh, we're, we're sticking around for christmas i do have to i have to work on christmas we have a we're doing an nba game we, we talked about the remote productions yep. of sports nice. on the last podcast so uh, down here, we're doing one of the Christmas Day NBA games. We're doing the late game, the the ten thirty game. So at least I'll be around. I'll, I'll be home for Christmas morning with with my family and stuff. But but I do have to go into the office Christmas night to do an NBA game. So you know, it kind of stinks to have to work on yeah. Christmas, but to to produce an NBA game, it, it's not a bad deal. Hey, and you still got your job there too. Exactly, that's always a good thing. Thankful for that for sure. Amen. All right, boys, let's let's call this a podcast. Uh, a lot of fun. Just want to tell our listeners, we really appreciate you. Follow us. Let our partners know you listen in. They include Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, Hankard Sportswear, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, brand new on board, sticking with us here into 2021, Success Group Mortgage and Services, and Servicing, rather, and uh, Z92.5, The Castle. We want to thank our special guest, Brendan Sullivan and uh, Ryan Brady for joining and I just want to say for Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel. Thank you again for supporting Three Point Podcast. Mask up out there. Have a very Merry Christmas. Three Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ Mid-Michigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at 3PointPod or by email to 3PointPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.